Alright, life once again, folks, in Greenwood. Bonjour, shalom, what's up? And welcome to How You Live In. That's right, we are here once again bringing you the podcast from the Chaz Tower in the Million Dollar Studios. And it is Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas, everybody. That's right. Ho, 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 and all the like. So I hope you all haven't lost, uh, by this time it'll be over, but I hope you haven't lost the little Drummer Boy Challenge or Whamageddon. I lost both of them. Uh, I'm not sure what those are. What's going on with Whamageddon and the Little Drummer Boy? So starting on December 1st, going all the way until December 25th, it is your goal just through the machinations of your life um, to try not hearing uh, the Little Drummer Boy or Wham's Last Christmas. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I've heard Last Christmas. But I haven't heard uh, Little Drummer Boy. Oh, there you go. See, the Little Drummer Boy one fucked me up because I like pentatonics and I do fuck with uh, Christmas music. And someone was posting a video of it and it said, Pum And then I'm like, there you see him. I'm like, God damn it, Chaz. Did you really have to sing it in your head to yourself? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, that still counts, though. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I only have like uh, 24 hours to get through uh, not hearing uh, Drummer Boy then. I'll have to make sure no one brings it up. <laughs> so, once again, though, we are here to bring you uh, the latest of the goings-on. But first, we'd like to take a moment to look back on the goings-ons of this show in the world in a little segment we call Callbacks. Callbacks. Yes, yes, y'all. And, uh, you know, this is kind of the ultimate clip show callback in a way because... It's a callback to the year 2017, and episode 44 will be the final episode of the year. Yes, and uh, on top of that, it will uh, mark the fact that we didn't get to 45. Oh uh, yeah, because we weren't trying to. So <laughs> nobody wanted to get to 45. Everything was great at 44. Right, we're right. We're, Read we're at the, the subtext. precipice of the Bush era. Yeah, read into the subtext. <laughs> We're good. Forty-four. No, I think forty forty-four is uh is Obama. Oh yeah, yeah. That's what I meant to say. The precipice of the Obama era. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. But only if we can stop this one from the stem cell research, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's uh, forty-four. That's that's Obama. So, uh, but once again, being here uh to the callbacks. Uh, what is your uh first callback? for the end of the year uh let me see so like it's been a long year i i kind of want to just go back to the beginning of this presidency and how it just looked like there was like firing after firing it looks like there was gross um negligence abound when it came to the constitution and it was sean spicer's uh, early hints of the russian ties right yeah. and, and like yeah all that bullshitting so i just want to go to kind, kind of just look at like after because we've been doing this for a year whenever trump does something ridiculous now it's to the point where we just go yeah we kind of expect that yeah and that's bad and i was watching a thing on vox that basically says that we think it's normal because of this thing called the overton window and I kind of just want people to reflect on uh, what are we accepting as normal because of this like extreme weirdness coming at us every single day and right. kind of just be mindful of that as we go into 2018 for the elections and just civil discourse in general. Um, and yeah, yeah. So that that's my like whole 2008 callback is kind of like at the beginning, you're just like outraged all the time. Right. Now at the end, you're like, ugh. Yeah, accepting accepting it as like it. Yeah, because we do need to make the the strong argument on our side because the argument coming from the other side is so loud because they own the the podium. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, so they have the franchise and the 
uh, foundation of the presidency to make their arguments. So it's kind of, you know, from our end, we definitely have to be louder. We have to be concise in our ideas so that our um, ideas are digestible by people who might be on the middle or in the uh, in the gray area between us and kind of the opposing viewpoints. And, and also the whole Alabama vote as part of kind of a callback. Yeah. We really do need to not ignore any state. You know, we need to look at this as like a 50-state battlefield and the fact that we can actually uh win uh elections in any state if we have the right message for the for the people that live in that state for the actual agenda that we're really talking about and deliver those messages in a way that they can vote and get on board now in that one clearly there was uh some weird distinction of the case against roy moore and like everything that he had done but in, on top of that there was also democratic values that were being separated into these candidates and that's mm-hmm. why ultimately you saw a push for the doug jones vote so was uh the people kind of going towards that agenda as well as against the uh the conduct of the the candidate on the other side so so those type of things i think looking forward into 2018 we need to carry over the idea that if you're in a red state and you can feel kind of a momentum shift you know get a part of that get somebody to run in a in a local environment and get on the 2018 ticket and start to kind of develop a community or a county or you know some municipality as uh, uh, more leaning to the left so that later on when there's statewide elections and gerrymandering, uh, you know, there might be some some hope for you. Yeah, indeed. I think we've, um, when we were talking about that in the beginning, we would say that most states are purple. Right. And, and I think this election in Alabama showed that, like in the population centers, yeah. um, that was all blue. And then on the outskirts and everything, that was all red. And and what I feel from that is I feel like if we can take some key tools from that and and understanding that for that race, um, about 40 percent of the electorate in Alabama came out to vote. Right. At that time. And I believe Doug Jones won over Roy Moore at about approximately um, 21,000 more votes than some something like that. Yeah. Right. And yeah. but I think the also the big thing here <clears throat> is um they activated a not a lot of new voters to get them to vote. There were a lot of uh, people who couldn't vote before, um, ex-cons, and ex-cons were allowed to vote for the first time this year because of a bill that passed, so yeah. they went out and vote. Or, you know, just a deactivated pessimist who was just like, I don't see the point in voting and everything. But now people are knowing that there was just another seat in Virginia in their House of Delegates that got taken over by one vote. Right. By literally one vote. Yeah. So, like, the pessimism of my mom was like this. My mom was, no, I don't vote because my vote doesn't matter. And I can see where someone would make an aggregate argument of that. But no. Right. Your vote does matter. It does, especially when you start participating more. Mm-hmm. If you're going to these school board meetings, if you're going to these town hall meetings you know not only is your vote part of your like ballot you put in every year every four years uh it's 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 every couple of months in your in your community in your neighborhood that's a vote that Mm -hmm. you're putting in 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 your participation and you'll find that the more you participate there's a lot of circles you're going to participate in that are like three to two and like Mm -hmm. five to one you know majorities voting during like caucuses of of 50 people Mm -hmm. you know and 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 they have like five elected leaders that represent some branch of the government or branch of a community and and you'll see your vote counts a lot and that's kind of what that was because that was a virginia legislature so that's a state house Mm -hmm. and uh and still it came down to one vote it was a it was a more rural county so the actual overall number of votes in that county were smaller Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another factor. If you live in a smaller county, recognize that that your yeah. vote, your vote actually counts more. It does, and that's how the electoral college works. Yeah, yeah. So so it's 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 definitely important to participate. That's what I've always said, and, and participate at your comfort level. You know, if you're not comfortable voting for a senator because you don't know the record of them or their opponent, I don't mind you skipping that vote. You know, I don't want uninformed voters. Mm-hmm. You know, at the same time, if you have like three or four things lower on the ballot that affect you and you're not participating right now because you just clearly don't vote i would rather you get that ballot and vote on those three or four things yeah you know and uh 
and that's kind of my stance, I guess, is like just participate. You know, and the more participation in 2018 that you you do, uh, the more results we're going to start to see in these bigger kind of aggregate things that we've been talking about. Yeah, and I can also understand because we here in uh, Washington are spoiled, and we get our ballots in the mail, but. I'm originally from Philadelphia, so we would have to go to polling stations. Right. And in a lot of places, polling uh, stations are too few and far between. And uh, election day is on a Tuesday, and most people have to work on a Tuesday. Yeah. So they can't. And people will have a hard time making the effort to go out to these things. And there's other stuff on that. So I would love it if people are very serious about going out there and getting people activated. Um, They're... Also think about, like, there should be an ecosystem out there of, like, okay, but where am I going to put my kids? Okay, how am I going to make up this money from this job? Okay, how, like, what can we do to help facilitate the process a lot more? I do hope to get, to take over the house and to have, like, a bill put forth to give mail-in ballots to everyone for all for all elections ever. Right. Kind of like, I think everyone over the age of 18 that has a citizenship should be registered to vote. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like like a voting reform bill that's just comprehensive, uh, gets rid of the bullshit, let's go. Yeah. And. Yeah. And I, and I think that's, you know, that's typically a left agenda that's been, it's been put in play as part of other candidates from different kind of uh independent role kind of candidates and stuff but yeah i mean it's something you know oregon did recently is the motor voter so when you mm. re- register your id or your license uh if you're over the age of 18 you're automatically registered to vote in the state of oregon oh nice it's called the motor voter law and that was put in place by kate brown who continues to be a a kind of a reformist uh a left-leaning democrat governor in a in a you know in a in a sea of governors that are republican she's she's kind of a mm-hmm. a good voice in the mix and and yeah that's just another one of the things she did and i think i think that's not a re- unreasonable thing as well you know make people okay yeah you have to go to the dmv you have to have some type of state license so mm-hmm. we're kind of asking you to some degree to go through a little filter of some form yeah you know but it's kind of not asking that much and at the same time you're immediately registered to vote then you just got to keep your address up to date and you're good yeah that seems good and then, uh, yeah, and then eventually, I mean, I mean, I guess with uh, the way elections are rigged, we wouldn't want this. But, I mean, ultimately, voting online would seem like a thing. Yeah, yeah. You know. I would mm, I would vote for that, yes. But I think first... Um, it's legitimacy would be called into question. So, immediately, it's, like, better just to have it almost a paper trail. Uh, no, not that, actually. I think it's an infrastructure problem. It's it's a callback to our there's 39% of people in the US who don't have access to the internet and if they don't do it they can't be a part of the conversation and part uh, of that Well, I mean, I think yeah, there'd be a transition. Where, yeah. yeah. So so what I mean is that there should be that infrastructure put in place first and then once it was there, then yes, go online. Okay. Yeah. I wonder if people were more uh like refl- uh would have been more receptive to that prior to the uh, 2016 election if maybe like the kind of Russian hacking environment that we have today I wonder if that kind of thwarted a public uh, impression of that if maybe nowadays people would be like yeah let's keep it off online yeah I could like security for the most part can always be hacked to a certain degree but you know what our in-person voting machines have less security than that so um, it's kind of a mixed bag you have a little bit more control through decryption and everything, especially if you keep it on a central database. But I'm no hardcore computer scientist, so some computer scientists would tell me otherwise. But, yeah, we basically a lot of these breaches that are happening are due to, like, exploits and stuff that went undiscovered. Right. So, so people are hiring more and more people whose job is just to make sure that their data and their security and their code is secure enough and won't get hacked by people. Well, uh, moving through the different elements of uh, last year, what other callbacks do you see uh, were big big momentums that, that we have additional information we want to add to as far as this year's? Um, I think this year was definitely the resurgence of uh, gun laws and gun rights and gun 
legislation and restrictions and all that. And I feel like it's very interesting to have a Republican or I even would say like a Republican leaning president in in office right now who believes in those things. So if we had any hope of legislation happening on those, probably not going to happen because that does not appeal anyone in his base. Right. But I but then I feel like it like it's it's really shitty because, you know, more and more of these mass killings are going to happen. But as we talked about before, when you look statistically at people with uh, with suicide, domestic violence and gang violence being uh, the the one that happened the most and looking at those two. So I think um, when it comes to like gun control, I want us to talk to the people who are in the world of responsible gun ownership it is the way they want the world to be to talk more with people who have lived their lives without guns and feel safe without them in the world and see like what their expectations are and everything like that. Cause I think there is a lot of assumptions going on with it. Uh, and we can point to things like Japan and uh, Australia that got rid of their guns and the arguments with that. And I do think that is a bold and a bold solution. And if you could get, america to believe in that i would say go for it but i think at this point in time i don't think you're going to get america to go for it because they have too much the people who want it emphatically have all the power and control so yeah and i think in this current environment the approach needs to change slightly now what do you think uh as far as the year prior in the North Korea situation that we've found ourselves in with both the president willing to kind of make very, you know, fast thought kind of responsive responses and a, uh, and the diplomat or <laughs> not diplomat, but the mm-hmm. dictator on the other side that is, is, you know, wild and off the cuff as he's always been. Yeah. Um, and then the, the element of the technologies growing in their, you know, abilities to to actually launch nuclear missiles possibly you know i mean obviously now it's just been ballistics but Mm -hmm. you know what do you think looking forward is uh in 2018 is going to be kind of the element we have there uh i really think it's to to steal a title of a movie it's a clear and present danger yeah and basically i'm to the point of uh, what would be the triggering event because isn't South Korea hosting the uh, the Winter Olympics? I think so. So where are those going to be held? And in, in like, as far as like south of how you know, like the distance between those two countries, and then them being at war essentially continuously at this, you know, with this de- demilitarized zone. Well, I mean, if they wanted to, yeah, if, isn't that going to be an interesting timeline? Like in the early February to have this, like major international target essentially like so nearby yeah see like i've listened to uh, stories about south korea and north korea and south korea usually looks at north korea as uh, north korea is just being north korea again so for them this is this amount of bluster isn't business as usual but the militaristic pomp and circumstance that is the people's republic of north korea is pomp and circumstance for them so kind of like that overton window of like no they always do this we don't have any other expectations of of that so i mean yeah if they wanted to make a statement there will be americans in south korea and yeah and if you i mean well there are i think there always are i think we're yeah 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 But, but like this is this is you represent your nation so it's more symbolic and if you want to make a huge statement you attack symbolic things yeah so there is there could be a present danger where if i feel the the north korean president feels as though they're slighted enough yeah that they would do some retaliatory strike to assuage their guilt or assuage their insecurities or or something like that and what that would be i don't know yeah, that's, uh, that's crazy to think so, about. So I, I think the possibility is there, but I also don't feel 
I feel that they're, they're just pushing everything. They're not really going to strike. I, I feel like they know that they, they are, they are, I feel they're still at the point where there are a lot of bark and not a lot of bite. It's kind of the, what is it, like the balloon politics that it's like, it blows up and it really seems like it's going to pop, but then mm-hmm. like a little bit of air gets let out and then mm-hmm. a little more air gets let out and then yeah a little more air gets let out and all of a sudden you're kind of dealing with a normal sized balloon again. Like it's not going to pop. Yeah. Well. We'll we'll see that unfold, I guess, uh, and we can continue to use topics. We'll officially end the segment callbacks. That way, it's not this perpetual callbacks episode. That's right. That's but, right. And enter into forty four, remembering forty four. Uh, that's that's what this is. That's a good. Hey, there we go. That's a good title. Remembering forty four because it's like remembering the forty four episodes we just did, and yeah. we're also remembering good old Obama who was president still when we started this podcast. Indeed. Good old 44. Good old Barry. Yeah, those times. It's like now, like, I just want it to be like a sitcom where, mm-hmm. you, you know, Donald Trump's just the mean old neighbor, but we still live with our stepdad at Obama who came in just in time, you know? <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, speaking of that, you know how the whole, once uh, 45 got elected, they were like, the war on Christmas is over, right? And right. this motherfucker says happy holidays like it ain't shit, though. And <laughs> so, and then Obama, they're like, we can't say Merry Christmas. And, and Obama's like, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Like, all the fucking time. Like, you can see, that that's the racism of America right there. Yeah. Right? There you go. If you, if you didn't know, and you go, well, I mean, but... Seasons greetings really makes me feel bad. So <laughs> let me stop. Exactly. The mo- more you know. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, and entering into 44, uh, we usually kind of like to go into a segment of the show about the state of America. And oftentimes we like to start that with bill watch that is right and lately i think they've taken a final break they have and so the only bill that they finished up with was the good old tax plan yeah came came in right at the end there it's a terrible thing no it is it is so wrong it's, (laughs) it's so wrong it's a bad thing and uh, it doesn't matter how wrong he is. You. He's he's always there, and that's why we've got Chaz here. What's to up? Call him out. Right. What's yeah. Up? Uh, just going, just going through the, uh, just going through the soundboard. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. So, so Bill, watch the tax plan is back, man. Uh, so, uh, you know, the cuts go through. Um, people s- threw in a little bit of protection for. Some children health plan stuff that was interesting at the end uh, oh, okay, that's to good. appease some constituents. Uh, the health care itself is still in limbo uh, based on uh, his different federal measures to kind of gut funding and kind of. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's basically taking away the in, um, the individual mandate and that as well. Yeah. So mm-hmm. which was through this tax plan. So he kind of piecemeal destroyed the uh, the Obamacare reforms. um you know, so we'll see as uh, the 2018, you know, healthcare prices unfold, and then ultimately probably 2019 after the market kind of gets a yeah gets a look at it, um, we'll probably see healthcare rise, and and until they come up with something um, that that replaces it, as they say they will, um, but I just assume that'll just be more uh, corporate tax breaks and and for private companies. In lieu of subsidies, you know, they'll mm-hmm. say this is this is their incentive, but it's like backwards. It's reverse incentive because they get the they get the proceeds to begin with. So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that's how this whole tax plan works. Exactly. And, and we know there's not going to be growth. We we know we we know there's not going to be growth. Yeah. In what industries? Yeah. Right. I mean, you're going to give them all this tax breaks. And, you, and then here's the thing. You're giving people tax breaks where see. The thing that always gets us about the tax bill is now I feel like businesses are going to pay 
oh, I don't know, almost all businesses out there, if they do it right, are going to pay like 1% in their taxes. Because, well, maybe not all of them. They're, they're, like, if we take our internet companies and things like that, they get enough tax subsidies where they're paying closer to like 5 4%. Amazon, because of the way it works, it pays 1%. Right. And that thing is almost a trillion dollar company. Like, yeah, yeah, a trillion dollar company. Yeah. Not a billion dollar company. Just manipulate funds. Right. Mo- move them in between <laughs> things. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's gonna be Yeah. And I mean that's and that's and that's fine in a way. Uh if if they're you know, like Amazon, they're giving a livable wage. Yeah. And they're giving benefit packages. But here's the thing. Amazon yeah. gives livable wages to its tech departments. It doesn't do so well with its shipping centers. Okay. It, it shipping centers are kind of like they're they're Walmarting it in a way. Okay, because that's the backbone of of the company mm-hmm. is its ability to maneuver maneuver merchandise. Yeah. So, okay. So I guess so in that in that sense. But isn't and then the argument I guess and it's a, it's a real argument due to mm-hmm. the uh, global economy and multinational corporations are a common thing and these players mostly are um what is the argument then they say you raise my taxes i just leave you know and then you've you've laid off essentially depending on the size of your workforce you know tens of thousands of employees so uh you know it's kind of a it's a reverse thing like obviously eventually you got to tax them yeah in order to make it in a more equal system you know but i think I think if you take a two-pronged approach where you do have to tax them, but you have to give them the ability, their ability to lower their taxes shouldn't just because you should, I feel like you use taxes on multinational corporations to incentivize them to do something that'll help the economy overall. Okay. And and then that way you say, like, if you build infrastructure, you lower your things. If you give money into these... uh minority programs you you'll get some Lower. tax right yeah if you want to put money into bringing better cheaper and faster internet to you know impoverished folks then yeah you get tax breaks right so then they'll say oh well yeah we'll do that why because they will ultimately get new customers and new customers will mean new revenue streams new revenue streams will mean more money that they can uh invest later (laughs) yeah so yeah yeah so exactly because you just you have to make sure they're giving you what you want and if it's jobs then they're gonna like jobs just don't come out of thin air jobs happen because there's a task that needs to be done and or there's a goal that needs to be met or there's some sort of project that needs to be finished And and we need people hands to finish it and there's capital available to pay the wages of those people that want those jobs exactly as well yeah yeah and it's not even that complicated of a formula but to to make it kind of these vague statements that we're getting from 45 mm-hmm. yeah and you know trump whatever you can say his name <laughs> it's, it's not like a it's not like anything to me it's not voldemort it doesn't matter <laughs> you know i'd probably even go into his golf course i'd probably have a good time you know what i mean it's like he's like one of those guys he probably he probably made nice golf courses the hotel is probably fine it's probably fine like who cares you know like whatever like <laughs> you know it, whatever he'll be he'll be a, a question on jeopardy in 20 years you'll see you know it's just gonna be like that guy you know, mm-hmm. you know. Whereas Obama will be on Jeopardy in twenty years. There you go. Awesome. Look at that. Yeah. I just yeah. Look at that. So, <laughs> what is uh what is Donald Trump? That's ironic. <laughs> it's uh, really ironic. I meant to say I don't even know. Yeah, now he sounds like Carson. See, that's why I don't do impressions. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. And then the what else do you have for our State of America segment? What else is going on governmentally in Chaz's world, or have you seen uh, as far as the social conscious in our goings forward as a as a nation? Huh? Well, um, let me see. Not. And everything else that's going on in the world is the same stuff that's been going on. Like it seems like the fires are dying down a little bit. 
I'm yep. in California. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. People are going home and spending time with their family. Hopefully they've gotten out all their shit at Thanksgiving. That Amtrak thing was crazy. Oh, yeah, that's right. And that was local. Here in Washington, yeah. That was, and I mean, uh, that's devastating to the families. I've ridden that Cascades line. Yeah, me too. Multiple times. I mean, probably 20 times. And, uh, of course, never taken that route that they had taken for the first time with that trip. Uh, And so, yeah, that was was an interesting kind of bumper as far as... um, just kind of looking forward to rail travel and some of the mm-hmm. obstacles we're going to be facing when we start talking about high-speed rail in America, you know, and how it's different than how high-speed rail has been implemented in different parts of the world. Oh, yeah. Um, it's going to be bigger distances, and it's going to go through more population centers. Mm-hmm. So it'll be it'll be an interesting thing, and this kind of just showed it where it doesn't matter how much money you put into a project. If you cut any corners and that's like not a pun, but in this case, this is a corner that they should have actually removed. And for, you know, probably an additional few $10 million, they could have actually Mm -hmm. altered the grade on that corner. And you would have been a lot closer to the speed um, that they were, they were probably still going to be going faster, but it would probably been a 60 mile an hour curve as opposed to a 30, in, in which case mm-hmm. you, you probably wouldn't have had a full derailment more than likely. Yeah. So, so those type of things and, and that's government, you know, oversight and that's, and that's also us looking forward to, uh, how we're going to be able to make these projects happen and keep them under budget and keep them honest and mm-hmm. keep them safe. You know, when there's so much pull sometimes from, uh, the people on the ground doing the construction or the firms that oversee that or mm-hmm. the capital firms that oversee that and and maybe even the county and maybe even landowners and they're trying to like squeeze in these rail lines in between different property owners and stuff. You know, we have to really start to address these problems in bigger ways looking forward so that we have better answers for how we're going to deal with this because literally we're going to start having to just like buy land from people starting now for projects that are going to take 20 years to build. Yeah, no, for sure. And they got to start figuring out how they're going to do that. And and if you're doing $170 million rebuilds on a current train going 79 miles an hour, and this can happen in 2017, uh, then there are some major questions. And we always talk about the Northwest being this kind of technological hub of like innovation and mm-hmm. like, our population is like smart and well-read and is able to like be engineers and be in tech and be, you know, part of the Boeing and flying airplanes and stuff started, you know, manufacturing here. And so, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting to see such an old tech have befuddled, you know, a state known for its engineers and, uh, and it sounds like the locals in the area kind of knew that it was, a bad plan and um i think i think these are moments where government has let us down you know in mm-hmm. a way because they've allowed the uh the projects to 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 go underfunded and allowed you know uh, to greenlight something that probably shouldn't have been greenlit so you know i think that's something else to look forward to in 2018 is uh to the the candidates that are out there you know what pro- you know they talk about shovel ready projects there is still this came out of federal money for the fat high speed rail uh, oh okay that's how this money this money is set aside for our state for high speed rail and this was considered kind of part of the uh rebuild of infrastructure that could later be used for that oh okay yeah and that's what's really kind of you know hyper ironic about it being mm. a speed related derailment um and then also you know the you know, like solemn uh, um, kind of thoughts to the families that lost members of families and people who yeah. would be forever affected by that, whether emotionally, physically, or have lost somebody. You know, it's it's a tragedy. And it was really interesting. It's always interesting when you live in the area that becomes kind of the focus of uh, of national attention for a while. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, and it's always it's always interesting to be to be the news story on CNN and the front page of Google and all that for, you know. Yeah. It was interesting. And to have your, I think that's one of the things that I want to give props to Facebook for, where if there's a crisis, you can say, mark yourself as safe. Yeah. Um, And because I I had a few friends being like, are you okay? And I'm like, because I had just woke up, I didn't hear anything about it. And that's the first text I get. And I'm like, what? All right. 
and then I heard about it. I'm like, shit. Yeah. 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 And like, yeah, because like you said, I love riding the train. It was yeah, it's never been a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then part of it though was the route they used to take was along the water, and it was a scenic route. Mm-hmm. Like that was a good, enjoyable part of that rail route. And so yeah. the fact that they rewrote it into an inland thing is actually taking away from the experience, you know. Yeah. And it's kind of just like it's weird, you know. There's definitely some railroad politics that are happening there, and it has mm-hmm. to do with shipping, and it has to do with old rights. And oh yeah, a lot of our um, railroads are owned by like yeah shipping companies and stuff. Yeah, like Amtrak doesn't have the rights. They, I don't think they own very many of the rails, like maybe twenty five percent of them, and they have to kind of pay extra toll fees to use other people's railroads if they want to. So. Yeah, yeah, it's uh. It's going to be interesting looking at that kind of structure that's left over from a few hundred years ago almost. Yeah. At, at oh, this point. Um, if you haven't heard of the YouTube channel Wendover Productions, he does a lot of things about transportation and he does an episode about why high speed rail is so hard to do in America. Yeah. Okay. That's a good uh, transition. Um, and I guess uh, we should transition over to our fun topic which i teased last time and now it's perfectly uh teed up woo which is christmas holiday movies oh that's right yeah christmas and holiday movies and uh obviously everybody's favorite holiday movie to say ironically these days but still one of my favorites is die hard yeah die hard bruce willis classic classic original vel johnson going up against max gruber <laughs> in the uh Yakatomi Tower. Right. So, <laughs> so That's so eighties right there. Yeah. Black cop Russian villains in a Japanese multinational corporation building. Yeah. <laughs> so 80s. It's super eighties, yeah. Yippee Kaye, motherfucker. <laughs> uh another another of my favorite in the uh holiday movie franchise is of course the home alone series oh yeah classic kevin McAllister left home by his parents while they're traveling and instead of just having a week of hijinks and eating ice cream and harassing neighbors he ends Mm -hmm. up getting picked by the wet bandits as a house to be robbed followed by Donald Trump's favorite movie in the Home Alone series, <laughs> Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, which features current president number 45. That's so, right. So, uh, yeah, look out for that this holiday season. Uh, if you haven't got that for your Magna fan in the family, go ahead and get them uh, a copy of Home Alone 2. Uh, trying to make... That's m- right. Macaulay could use the residuals. Yeah. Uh, I don't mind giving him some money. Plus, uh, you know, he needs to eat all that cheese pizza. <laughs> uh and also uh i think the gremlin series oh yeah at least maybe gremlins 2 i think i feel like that's a christmas mm-hmm. uh secret christmas movie uh what what holiday classics do you like uh so one of my favorites because it used to come on tv every year was the brady bunch brady brunch christmas oh wow right yeah it, because it was so it was it, like I think it was some of the old actors from the show, but it it was very much like blue collar, all American family like it was back then. But everyone's older, and the like what's his name, the youngest boy, he became a race car driver and a very Brady Christmas. Yeah, a very Brady Christmas. That's that's what it is. Wow. Yeah, and and it has this thing at the end that kind of feels like Miracle on Twenty Fourth Street where. Um, the dad gets put under some rubble, and he's been there for a while. And then we need a Christmas miracle, and then they get him out. And it's it's I guess spoiler alert, but um, yeah, wow. it's kind of fun. Okay. And then the classic claymation ones, uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and uh, see, you were supposed to do these last week. This is the TV. No, we're talking uh, movies, dude. Uh, yeah, we did we did TV last time. That oh. was Rudolph and and Charlie Brown. No, we talking movies, oh, dude. Damn it. Yeah, you All don't right. get that. 
You All don't right. get that twice, man. You no, I see. I thought that was a TV movie. That's why I said it. Nah, well, they're saying it's a TV movie, but I, I barely accepted that one, but I am not accepting <laughs> Rudolph. Man. Okay. If okay. you want to go claymation, the closest you can say is Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, yeah. And then I'll say yes <laughs> to that. I will say that is a Christmas movie. All right. All right. Let's see. Movies then. Uh, Come on. Anything that had... Um, so uh, I guess they're also saying Die Hard 2 took <laughs> took place during Christmas, but I don't know about all that. Oh, I think it did. Uh, you have Bad Santa. Oh, yeah. Uh, you have Elf. Oh, yeah, that's right. Of course. Um, you have uh, Miracle on 34th Street. Mm-hmm. You have the hits. You have uh, Miracle on 34th Street. You have It's, it's a, a Wonderful w- Life. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, let's see. Uh, you got Scrooged. Oh yeah, there's there's so many um, Scrooge movies out there. That, that could be its own topic in its own way. The Santa Claus series. Yeah, I was gonna say that. So, I was gonna say that with Tim Allen. Sorry, Tim Allen. <laughs> the, the powers in the suit. Uh, good old Schwarzenegger and Jingle All the Way. Oh my fucking god. So so like that movie is a referendum on Black Friday, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Cause it's all about that one toy. Uh huh. Yeah. Um. Of course, we have uh, the Dickens care. Uh, it's a Christmas Carol, both Muppet version and regular. Oh yeah. Um. And then there's uh, what was the one? Uh, we're totally. Oh, we're missing out on uh. It'll you'll shoot your eye out. Oh. A Christmas story. Yes. The yeah. one where he gets his tongue stuck on the pole. Yeah, they just tried to do a live TV version. If we were talking about TV, we could talk about it. But <laughs> it looked terrible. It looked absolutely terrible. Uh, Santa Claus also 2, which was in this series. I think they made, I don't know, ultimately it's three or four of them. Uh, but yeah, those are all the ones I have off the top of my head. Let's see what we got in list form. Um what other uh, what other holiday traditions uh, did you do growing up, Chaz? When the, when the holiday season came on, what was a special Simmons tradition? Is there any type of dish that was made? You know what? No, other than chitlins, probably not. It was usually we would do the same thing we would do on Thanksgiving, except for turkey. We'd do a ham. Okay. And but all the other sides were pretty much the same. And I think we used to, yeah, we used to do Christmas um, at my aunt's house, Christmas and Thanksgiving at my aunt's house for a few years. Then Thanksgiving was still at my aunt's house, but Christmas came over our house. Okay. And then because we moved to a bigger house and everybody was like, yeah, yeah, we'll have it at their house. Like it, it could fit everybody. So, right. You know, it was super chill. Um, and then other than that, we, oh, and my dad and I, we would celebrate a Kwanzaa during that time so okay so that's a tradition indeed all right well uh i think that pretty much sums up our holiday movie segment we hit we hit most of the classics oh there's also the grinch series oh yeah it also became a movie it started as a tv show Mm -hmm. that we all remember um, apparently they're trying to say Batman Returns. The Penguin one is a Christmas it is. movie. It is. It takes place among Christmas. Yeah. So, yeah. Not too bad. Love Actually is mentioned. Oh, yeah. Which a lot of people like to watch as like... Uh, so, there is one because th- there are some... We, you know what? We did all like the regular ones, but we got to do some of the, the black as hell ones. Like Last Christmas... Okay. And a best man holiday, like <laughs> okay, is there a Medea Christmas? I think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, and then the, you know there was also the the other one we missed was uh, the National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yeah, yeah, where is, Rusty came back being all weird. Yeah, Randy Quaid. Good old Randy Quaid <laughs> gets caught at the border every time uh yeah so yeah black christmas movies that's like a whole different thing yeah uh, they they out there like chris brown was in last christmas he was all like hang on the mistletoe i'm gonna get to know you better like <laughs> okay uh best man holiday yeah, yeah, but, yeah. and they're like you can't stand the rain almost christmas uh dream for christmas the Kid Who Loved Christmas, 
Jingle All the Way's considered it because Sinbad's in it. Oh, shit. <laughs> the Preacher's Wife. Oh, The Preacher's Wife, yes! Diva's Christmas Carol with Vanessa Williams. See, you know what I just realized? Holiday Heart, <laughs> starring Ving Rhames. Uh, the Last Holiday. Okay, you mentioned that one. And uh, The Perfect Holiday. Oh, the last holiday that was with uh, Queen Latifah, wasn't it? This Christmas is that yeah, what you're this doing? This Christmas, <laughs> <laughs> this Christmas, uh, nothing like the holidays, and uh, yeah, that's it. Okay, interesting. That's pretty funny. Well, what I like about a lot of them is they're usually vehicles for R and B artists to just have their Christmas album. Right. That's why there was one that was just Vanessa Williams, A Christmas Carol. <laughs> right, <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> I'm out here. And then the preacher's <laughs> wife was um, Whitney Houston. Oh, right. And okay. last Christmas was Chris Brown. <laughs> yeah, I know. That, that's it. And they always have a moment where they got to sing. Even last Christmas had. Where's Miko's bougie Christmas? <laughs> you know what I mean? Drop top. He's in. Xmas. Presence. He's in Drop Atlanta. Top. He should totally do that. That yeah. is like the that's Black Hollywood. Atlanta's <laughs> Black Hollywood. Like Migos, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Yo, just people give everybody uh lemon pepper wet and just be like, yes, we're doing a Christmas movie. My bitch, be opening up presents with a Uzi <laughs> instead of cooking with an Uzi <laughs> for one day a year. He she can put down the the, the crack cooking. In. Right. That, that's what we want to see. 2018 Migos Christmas Migos. album and Christmas movie. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> My oh, Christmas is bad and booed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Opening presents with Uzi. <laughs> oh man. Oh my god. That's too good. funny. <laughs> Featuring Vanessa Williams <laughs> as Boo. Nothing the best. Just chilling with me, girls. Uh, but yeah. So, uh, Christmas. <laughs> All right, la 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 la. Sorry, yes. I thought we were we were about to enter into a Ross store, but uh, we decided to finish the podcast. Before <laughs> we uh, so it's been a it's been a long year, guys. We got to keep the fight up in 2018. Indeed. And uh, and 45 will only win if we let him. He 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 can hold office for as long as whatever time. But we got to make sure it's a it's a hard fought office holding, and that we actually get some other people in place as we as we can see fit uh at as that point i want to ask chaz is there anything else you want to let anybody know or 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 show them for their future uh um, going forward 2018 yeah 2018 i did i did a little experiment on my facebook page because i kind of wanted to see because you know there's there's republican infighting but you know we on the blue side of things have infighting as well too so I wanted to know what was the big divide between, you know, establishment Republicans and progressives and why are we clashing and can't really work together and everything like that. And I found that in in general, it seems that progressives uh, want policies that at times uh, the establishment can think are a bit quixotic or just unreasonable. Uh, and I think they feel as though the way they act towards them is in a very immature and not respectable manner. And when anybody acts like that towards them, they just go, no, we don't want anything, want any part of you. And it kind of starts this vicious cycle of like, I'm going to be louder so you hear me. And then if you're louder, I'm not going to talk to you. So I'm wondering, I think myself, I probably should start going to democratic meetings in person to see like what are they working on who are the candidates that they're looking into because there's a lot of all the senate seats are up and there are a bunch of um house seats that are coming down the line too so seeing trying to get more guests on here um seeing what their policies are how do they align on one side with progressive views and how do they align one on the other side with uh more establishment democrat views and how is there a happy medium where who who needs to be the bigger person first should there even be a bigger person things like that trying to understand what that issue is overall before it's too late and before we just go i ain't going to the polls again and you know the republicans are going to be like no we going to the polls we want this stuff he's getting shit done now 
So why would we stop that train? Exactly. I get that, man. And that's why we've got to figure out who the best candidates are and get them to be built up into the positions of power that we need them to be at so they can actually help represent the state that we live in, in the places that we live, in the ways that we actually live, as opposed to opposing our ideas and using things like these trickle-down theories that we know don't work and just waiting for them to fail for us to then rise up and come against them is just a waste of time. Let's do it now. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, I think we made our time, man. Um, I just want to thank everyone who's listened for the first 44 uh, for year one. This goes out to you. Uh, be a difference maker in your community. Be informed. Uh, even if that means this spurned you to go learn something that we didn't talk about, that I enjoy just as much because that's the point of the show is getting people involved. Uh, Chaz? Yeah, I want to uh, thank you all for listening. Hopefully we uh, gave you a new sense of the world or something new to think about. And you continue your time in the 2018 just learning and growing and always, you know, questioning as much as you can, but trying to be as informed as you can and doing your due diligence to be a citizen of our great nation. So... So thank you for being along for the ride. We we hope to give you a bigger, badder, and better show in 2018, especially with these primaries and general elections coming up for the Senate races and governor houses and everything like that. So it's an important year, and we're going to talk about it. Yeah, pay attention. Uh, you can always find me at C-Town Mayor on the Twitter sphere. Uh, I am the person helping your municipality by the sea. As well as get us at H-Y-L-B-O-X, that's H-Y-A-L box, for how you live in box, at gmail.com. And that's our email. You can hit us up. And Chaz, where can they find you? Right, join the hashtag Bill Watch Coalition. Um, you can find me on Twitter at C-R-S-I-I, just at me some bills you want me to talk about on the show. If you think there's something out there that's really problematic, I need you a part of the hashtag Bill Watch Coalition. So, yeah, put that out there. Hashtag Bill Watch and hashtag Bill Watch Coalition, and let's do this thing. All right. Good to see you, Chaz. Happy New Year. Yeah, good to see you, too. See you guys January 7th. We out. Gucci gang, 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 Gucci gang